When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, As I told you, I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas, Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who've heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said was wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him, bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. 
of my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to him, to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you as the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king imposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. 
This morning we're returning to our study in the book of John, and we're coming right up to the crucifixion of Christ. And I wanted to begin by just reading that extended passage of the text, uh, all of chapter 18, a good part of chapter 19, that is a discussion of the trial of Jesus according to the Gospel of John. As so often is the case with John, there's kind of a story under the story, uh, and so I wanted to just kind of review the story and find that story underneath it where there's uh, something for us. <clears throat> well, the story begins when Judas, along with the armed soldiers he's collected, uh, shows up at the garden where Jesus is with his disciples. And they're armed. They've got torches. They've got lamps, lanterns. They're ready to search in this dark place to find this rebel that they're trying to arrest. And they've been trying to arrest for some time, and he's always managed to elude them. So they're prepared to kind of hunt him down with Judas's help this time. And uh, what's surprising in the story is that Jesus just goes out to meet them. He, it says the text mentions specifically that he knows everything that's going to happen, and he goes out. Jesus is volunteering. Jesus is ready to be arrested at this point. So they, he says to them, well, who are you looking for? <laughs> of course, he knows who they're looking for, but he asks the question, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am. <laughs> now, we know that John is messing with the words here in Greek. I am is a, a way of identifying God. But it's also how, how someone would say in, in Greek, I'm the guy, uh, that's me. Uh, but anyway, when he says that, they're surprised. They don't expect the guy they're looking for to just show up and present himself. And they sort of step back and they stumble over each other. The text says they actually fall down. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's kind of comical almost. And, and Jesus starts the conversation over again and says, so, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says, uh, like I said, I'm the guy you're looking for. So I'm the guy. Take me. Leave these other guys alone. And John makes the point that this is a fulfillment of Jesus' promise not to lose a single one of those the Father has given to him. And <clears throat> we see here uh, an allusion to the Lamb of God who lays down his life for the sheep. Well, so Jesus says, take me, leave them. But Peter's ready to fight, and we talked about this a few weeks back. Peter takes out his sword, he goes after the guy, and Jesus rebukes him. He says, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me to drink? Now, we could notice a few things here. It's the Father who has given the Son this mandate, this eternal life mandate, to give his life as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of his people. But Jesus says, no fighting. No fighting. So, <clears throat> the first thing they do is they take Jesus to Annas. Annas is the father-in-law of the current high priest Caiaphas. And we're told in the text that it's Caiaphas who was the guy who said it was uh, expedient for one person to die for the nation. 
So I wanted to just go back and read that part of the text. Uh, it's in chapter 11, verse 45. And this was in the context immediately after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised someone from the dead. And then we read this. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? This man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And apparently that's a problem for them. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not only for the nation, but also to gather into one children of God, the children of God who are scattered abroad. So, from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. So, Caiaphas convinced them that, uh, you know, this, that Jesus was trouble. Uh, eventually, this trouble would rise to the level where the Romans would hold these men accountable for the trouble. And they were, their position and their nation, as they see it, are in danger. And so Caiaphas says, well, then let the one man die and spare the nation. And so they're persuaded. And it's, this is a turning point in the story. It turns on the, on the argument of Caiaphas, the high priest. The high priest that Jesus needs to die. So the, when they arrest uh, Jesus, they're operating on the authority of the high priest. They come to Annas, who's, who's the father-in-law of Caiaphas. And the, you'll see in the story that it, the text refers to the chief priests with the plural. And so you can see also that there's a sort of a, I don't know, like a rotation of the high priest. So Annas is referred to here as the high priest. Caiaphas is the high priest. Caiaphas is the guy who holds the singular position at this time. But in any case, they, take, they bring him to Annas. <clears throat> and uh, so he, Annas questions him. Now, what does the text say about how Annas questions him? It says he asks him about what he teaches and about his disciples. So what's going on here? Well, what's going on here is Annas is trying to uh, entrap Jesus, to, to get Jesus to incriminate himself in some way by getting him to say something that Annas can then claim is, is uh, insurrectionist of some kind. And so he's asking him, well, what do you teach? And who are your followers? So there's also maybe an attempt to associate Jesus with some of the uh, insurgent, anti-Roman insurgents that are present in Israel at the time. Well, Jesus just doesn't participate in that game. And so what he says is, look, I've, I've spoken openly. I've never 
hid what I'm trying. I don't speak in secret. I speak in the temple. I speak in the synagogue. Everyone knows what I've taught. Ask the, ask them. They can tell you what I've taught. Well, and then this guy, one of the guards who's standing there, thinks, uh, well, <laughs> takes that as a, some kind of disrespect. So he slaps Jesus. Says he strikes him with his hand. And he says, is that how you answer the high priest? <laughs> now, I can't, I can't go any further before I start noticing the irony here. Because there's two high priests standing here. Is that how you answer the high priest? Who, is, who does the high priest serve? Whose high priest is he? How dare you speak to the high priest that way? Jesus says, look, if I spoke wrongly, and that word wrongly in, in Greek means with malice or evil or bad or in a way that harms, if I've spoken harmfully, you could translate this, then say how. Testify to the wrong, he says. If I've spoken rightly, and it, this this word is the exact opposite. It, it's, it means spoken with beauty, with goodness, with dignity, spoken helpfully. Then why do you strike me? Well, <laughs> this uh, reminds us of uh, chapter 8. In chapter 8, Jesus is having an argument with the Jewish leaders after the uh, healing of the blind man. Well, in verse 40, he says, But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, a man who's spoken rightly, spoken well. The man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you'd love me, for I came from God, and here I am. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear... To hear my word, you are of the father of the devil, your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you? convicts me of sin. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So John, I think, is, is in the mouth of this uh, guard. Well, in Jesus' response to him, he says, if I've spoken rightly, why do you strike? Why do you strike me? <laughs> And the answer to that question is, because he's spoken rightly, he's being struck. He's 
calling down the high priest who works for him. He's speaking rightly, and that is the very reason he's being struck. That's the very reason they seek to kill him, because he's speaking the truth. It's a truth that they can't tolerate. Well, at this point in the story, uh, Annas sends Jesus to Caiaphas, and Caiaphas takes him to Pilate right away. He goes to the governor's headquarters, according to the text. So they bring him in. Now, they can't go into the into the house because this is the Gentile government. <laughs> and if they go into the house, they will be defiled. They won't be able to receive the Passover. Oh, my goodness. The Passover, it's Passover, preparation day. Well, so they can't go into the house. So Pilate comes out to them. Uh, <clears throat> So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? What's, what's the charge? It's very interesting what they say. They said, look, if he didn't do something horrible, we wouldn't be bringing him to you. So Pilate says, well, take him and judge him according to your own laws. Pilate doesn't see why he needs to be involved. And they say to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So what they're saying here is, look, we need this guy put to death, and we're not allowed to do that, and that's why we're here. That's why we're talking to you. <laughs> and uh, the text says, John says, this is to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die. So Jesus had announced that he would be crucified. Well, the only people who can crucify him one are the Romans. And so here they are in front of the Roman governor. So... <clears throat> Pilate says, just deal with him yourself. They say, uh, he needs to die. And John says, he needs to die the way he said he would die. So now the question is going to shift from the, this meeting of two high priests to a meeting of two kings. Uh, and the question is shifting in this part of the story to who's in charge here. So Pilate goes to Jesus and he says, are you the king of the Jews? Well, that seems like a strange thing to ask, doesn't it? Are you the king of the Jews? Well, that's the accusation. What, the, uh, what that tells us is that Pilate's had a conversation with the men outside, and they're saying, look, he's claiming to be the king. And that's a threat to Rome. So Jesus says, well, why would you ask me that? <laughs> he says, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate, Pilate's annoyed by this whole thing. And Pilate says, am I a Jew? I'm, like, your own, your own leaders, your own nation and chief priests, and there he uses the plural, chief priests have delivered you over to me. What did you do? What have you done? Uh, and so that's the question Jesus is asked by Pilate. <clears throat> so then Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. That's why my servants didn't fight this. <laughs> if, if this was a this world kingdom, they would have fought to keep me from being arrested 
And they didn't do that. And so Pilate says, oh, so you are a king. And Jesus says, well, you say I'm a king. Then he, then he says this, this is why I was born and why I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And then he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now that's an expression we've heard in the book of John, listens to my voice. Back in chapter 10, the whole section on the good shepherd, you know, my sheep hear my voice, listen to my voice. It's the exact same expression. You can see it in chapter 10 and verse 3. Uh, 2, I'm going to start with 2. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So Jesus is repeating that idea here to Pilate when he says, whoever is of the truth listens to my voice. In verse 8, Jesus says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. The sheep listened to, to the true shepherd. And that, by the way, you might remember when we studied that part, uh, that's a reference to the bad shepherds of Israel. Well, we're dealing with the bad shepherds here. Uh, so Jesus, the person, the second person of God himself, as we read in the book of Ezekiel, has come to shepherd his sheep, to reclaim them from the bad shepherds. In verse 16 of chapter 10, Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And in verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus is saying, whoever's of the truth, whoever's one of my sheep, listens to my voice. <clears throat> now, Pilate is not one of his sheep, and we know that because Pilate responds with scorn. Jesus says, I've come to bear testimony, to bear witness to the truth. He's actually the truth personified, as we know. Uh, and Pilate says, what's the truth? What's truth? Pilate does not recognize at all. Well, at this point in the story, Pilate doesn't see any reason to crucify Jesus. And honestly, he never does until, we get, until he gets to thinking about the politics. But in any case, he tries a lesser punishment and so at the beginning of chapter 19, Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Now, <laughs> that is a pretty serious punishment. Uh, that would be the punishment for a pretty serious crime, to be flogged by a Roman uh, uh, troop. The, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. So there's a mocking, there's a scourging, there's a 
uh, well, it's pretty serious punishment, but it's all about shaming the person. And so this is a, he says he's the king. Well, let's show what, how much of a king he is. Hail, king of the Jews, uh, and with sarcasm. Anyway, they, they bring him out, and he's, Pilate says, I don't find any guilt in him, but obviously he's punished him. Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to him, to them, behold the man. As soon as they see him, they're like, no, no, he's got to be killed. He's got to be crucified. Crucify him, crucify him, they say. They won't have it. They won't fall for Pilate's ploy for a lesser punishment. Pilate is really annoyed by all of this, and so... He says, they say, crucify him, crucify him. He says, well, take him yourselves and crucify him. I don't find any guilt. Well, everyone knows they can't do that. They can't crucify him. If he's going to be crucified, it has to be done by Rome. And uh, so Pilate's, you know, fighting back a little bit. He says, oh, you do it. And they say, look, we have a law. And according to the law, he needs to die because... He made himself the son of God. Now, that is certainly true. He made himself the son of God. He claimed to be the son of God, and everyone knew that claim. <clears throat> so now, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. You might think, oh, why is he, what's he afraid of? Oh, well, this is when they finally get to Pilate. Pilate is disturbed because now he's starting to see just how big of a problem Jesus is because the Jews are saying, look, he's a, he's a blasphemer. He's got to go. And Pilate realizes that if he doesn't handle Jesus, he's going to be in some trouble. He's going to be in some serious trouble because these guys are in a position to make trouble. Uh, for him, based on this law they have about blasphemy. So he's even more afraid. He goes back to Jesus. He says, where are you from? And Jesus doesn't answer. (laughs) He says nothing. Now, Pilate is really getting annoyed at this point. And he says to Jesus, look, You're not going to answer me? Don't you know I could release you or I could have you crucified? Don't you realize I have authority over you to to even to crucify you? And then Jesus speaks and he says, Look, you wouldn't have any authority at all over me if it were not given to you from above. (laughs) The authority Pilate exercises to crucify Christ is authority that has been given to him by God himself. And so Jesus says, so the one who handed me over to you, he has the greater sin. <laughs> he has the greater sin. Who is that? The one that handed Jesus to Pilate. It's Caiaphas. Caiaphas, the high priest of Israel, is in effect giving the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. He's handing him over. 
This is on the day of preparation for Passover of all days. And here you have the high priest demanding the execution of the Lamb of God. The same high priest who prophesied that Jesus would give his life for the people, for the nation. Now that high priest is demanding the execution of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is uh, one of the earliest ways Jesus is identified in the book of John when John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so here you have the governor of Rome and the high priest of Israel coming together to execute the Lamb of God. It's the greatest injustice that has ever been done, and it is the greatest good that has ever been done. And so what I wanted to notice was that we have these two interesting meetings. We have a meeting between Jesus and the high priest, and we have a meeting between Jesus and the governor of Rome. Between Jesus and the high priest, well, who's the high priest to end all high priests? Jesus is. In fact, the prayer that was just concluded in John chapter 17, we refer to as the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. He is going to lay down his life for the sheep. All of this reminded me of of chapter 10 in so many ways. and In so many ways, chapter 10 is really at the heart of the book of John. But Jesus said in chapter 10, verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice. So there's one flock, one shepherd, For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. So there's always the promise of the resurrection that I may take it up again. Jesus says, look, nobody's taking my life from me. In verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one will snatch them from my Father's hand. There's, uh, Jesus is saying here that he is laying down his life for the sheep. He also says in another text that no one takes it from him, that he lays it down, and that he'll take it up again. And so... What you have here is Jesus operating as the high priest. (laughs) And what's the sacrifice? He is. He lays down his life. And his sheep hear his voice and follow. And so what an ironic meeting between the high priest of all high priests, the high priest that puts an end to the necessity of high priesting. (laughs) Jesus, the high priest, meets the high priest. And that person's, Caiaphas's guard slaps Jesus for disrespecting the high priest. The high priest is supposed to work for Jesus. 
And obviously, Jesus says to the to those leaders, they're the evil shepherds. He's, he's the good shepherd, and he's here to reclaim his sheep. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And he says to, uh, to Caiaphas, you're not one of my sheep, <laughs> because you're not believing. Well, then there's a very similar round with Pilate, and now we have the encounter between the king of kings and the governor of Rome. And so the king of kings, and the question then is, the question of authority. Who's in charge here? And Pilate challenges Jesus and says, don't you know I have authority over you to even to kill you? And Jesus says, look, you, didn't, you don't have any authority. You didn't get from me. It wasn't given to you from above. It wasn't delegated from God the Father. And so you couldn't do anything to me if it wasn't permitted by God. And again, Jesus is laying down his life for the sheep. And his, he says to, to Pilate, those who are of the truth, hear my, listen to my voice. Pilate doesn't listen to his voice. So Pilate is not one of his sheep. So you have this cycle. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus volunteers to be arrested. Uh, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. And you're not one of my sheep. So we have this interesting uh, meeting between the two high priests and the two kings, if you will. Jesus, the good shepherd, encountering the evil shepherds that we read about earlier in the book of Ezekiel. You know, we can read in the First Corinthians chapter 1, just to see if I can wrap this up here. In 1 Corinthians 1.22, Paul writes, Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and folly, foolishness, stupidity to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So you have these two encounters, one with the religious leader, one with the political leader, and you have two priesthoods, you have two kingdoms, and you have two kings. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Greeks. You, you have the kingdom of grace up against the kingdom of merit, of wage. You have a, a kingdom that is not of this world. And that is up against the kingdom that is of this world. So the question is, which shepherd do you belong to? There's the vindicate yourself way of this world. And there's the reconciliation of God's grace. Under the good shepherd. Which shepherd do you belong to? With the high priest, the, the religious system of Israel was a, a system in which you would vindicate yourself by self-righteous 
moralism by obedience to some modified version of the law of God so that you could think of yourself as a righteous person and vindicate yourself. In the Roman system, the Roman system is a, a vindicate yourself by the shrewd exercise of power. It's all about playing the political game, and that's why uh, <clears throat> that's why Pilate ends up where he ends up. He's got to get rid of Jesus. Jesus is political trouble for him. So he's got to exercise his power. So that's the way of the false shepherds. What's the way of the true shepherd? Follow him. Follow him who gave his life for yours. And when we follow him, we begin when we trust in him, when we rest in the fact that he gave his life for the sheep, for us, that he's the shepherd. We go with him. We learn his ways. We let him take care of us. He gave his life for ours. And then we begin to exhibit the grace that he exhibited. And so instead of a self-righteousness, it's a self-sacrificing love that we begin to learn from Christ. And what we get from Christ is not what we deserve. And so we can begin to imitate our shepherd. We follow him. We trust him. We trust his provision because we believe in the promise of the resurrection. We can be bold. We don't give people what they deserve. We just give what's good. We live by grace and not by works. And that's how we deal with others. Well, that can get you in big trouble. That can give people the opportunity to take advantage of you. Well, they took advantage of Jesus. So no surprise there. It's the difference between the kingdom of gift and the kingdom of wage. Get what you deserve or live in the grace of God and dispense the grace of God. So what an interesting story in Jesus confronting the high priest and the governor. And when Jesus is the king of kings and the high priest to end the need of high priests. So we listen to his voice and follow him. We trust him. We don't need to follow those other shepherds. We trust in Christ and follow him. Father, we give you thanks for your great goodness and grace. We pray that we would become reflections of it in, uh, in the world, in our community, and to each other especially, that we would share the love of Christ and uh, that we would see the, the reality, the, the actual power of letting go of power, of being willing to die for the benefit of someone else of simply giving and not not needing everyone to get what they deserve. Father, we thank you for the grace of God in Christ and by the Spirit. Amen.